Hey everyone, in this AB Talks I get to sit with Bill Gates to get to know him a bit more on the human side along with his big passion towards humanitarian work and climate change. Enjoy. Hi Bill. Hi. Uh, first question is a very signature question, but a simple one. Uh, how are you really doing? You know, I'm a very lucky person. I love my work. I uh, have three great kids. I uh, get to learn interesting new things. I get to see progress in the world, so I'm doing well. Hmm. Okay, this question is a question I have, but I think a lot of people have. Um, after Microsoft, uh, in many aspects, a lot of people will see a very successful in different avenues. One of them, of course, is the financial terms. Uh, not only millions, but billions. So people will say, you know, Bill is set for life. He can just relax and chill. But when I look at you and I'm like, okay, why is he dedicating so much of his life, so much of his time to philanthropy, to climate change? So in a nutshell, I would love to know the why when a lot of people are thinking he could just be relaxing, you know? Yeah, I'm lucky I uh, control my schedule and uh, the things I, I choose to do are where I'm working with brilliant people uh, to innovate and post-Microsoft, the goal of that uh, is to help people out, to save children's lives, to make sure climate change doesn't uh, negatively affect uh, the poorest and hold them back from uh, achieving their full potential. And so getting involved with innovation, you know, that was my career at Microsoft now in areas like health and climate. Uh, I'm using those same skills, but I'm meeting new people, learning new things. So uh, I love my work, clearly, because it's volunteer work. You know, it's nice when I look at people and when they talk about something they love, you could literally see even their face, how they change and they suddenly get excited. So I like hearing that. And, and I think uh, to have, it's, a, it's an interesting jump from you know, Microsoft to philanthropy, but I think there's an underlying DNA of maybe problem solving or helping people, right? That's right. Uh, you know, ha the world has come a long way since 200 years ago, and there's, you know, certain types of advances, and, you know, we need to make sure those are shared equally. Uh, we need to make sure the side effects of some of that, uh, like climate change, don't uh, cause extreme damage, uh, but, you know, for example, I learned about vaccines, and I thought, wow, why aren't, isn't the world putting more into that? And so that's uh, post-Microsoft, a lot of my work has been on uh, inventing new vaccines and getting them out to all the children in the world. Mm -hmm. um, I was talking also with your team about something so interesting, and it was about how certain products, I won't mention names for marketing reasons, but they are very, and I read a whole article about this, and how they can reach extremely rural areas to sell their beverages or products, right? And there was a whole comparison at why philanthropic work don't learn from these beverages on how they reach the most rural, like you could go to the most rural, and probably you have, and you would see, and you're like, oh, how did this reach this little market here? So it was a whole case study on how philanthropy can learn from that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the private sector uh, doesn't understand 
you know, how to solve diarrhea or, uh, you know, how to create new bed nets. But there are aspects uh, like logistics and planning systems. And so if you look at the staff in the Gates Foundation, the majority of them would have worked in the private sector. And then, you know, we have incredible partnerships, people like uh, Coca-Cola who do logistics. We look and say, okay, adapted to our work, which is vaccines that uh, you can't let them get warm at all. You know, Coke, it can get warm and then you can cool it back down, but a vaccine mm. gets destroyed. So it's a little more complicated, but uh, you know, we learn from whoever we can. Okay, so from all of your travels, your experiences, your philanthropic work, what is one experience or story that has really impacted you in your life? Well, when you go to uh, these community hospitals during a, a malaria season, early on, you know, they were just filled with kids. And sadly, uh, at that time, malaria was killing a million children a year. To go back five years later when we'd gotten bed nets out in that community and see that, okay, there were 20% as many kids in there, uh, you know, that's a sense of, wow, that's wild. We had that meeting, we wrote that check, and here it is. It actually got, uh, and, you know, the mothers that don't have dying children, that's, you know, kind of a miracle, something that, uh, you know, I, I felt a lot of gratification that we'd put the pieces together. Hmm. So do sometimes when you're in these experiences, like something would really hit you or make you feel, okay, I'm doing, I'm enjoying this, I'm enjoying seeing something better, or I really can't handle seeing this, so I need to do something about it. Well, when you hear a number like, uh, you know, 10 million children were dying, you know, that was just mind-blowing to me that in that case there was a vaccine for diarrhea, it's called rotavirus, that the rich kids were getting, but the, the kids who were really at risk of dying of rotavirus weren't getting. So I thought, hey, you know, capitalism has taken us a long way, but there are gaps where it doesn't always orchestrate resources to treat lives as having human uh, equal value. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, that kind of stunned me, and I thought, okay, what, is, what do we need to do to put on top of that? How do we get governments? How do we get philanthropy? And uh, it, it, so it's striking uh, that we're a very rich world, and yet you know some of these basic things we're not not as good as we should be. Hmm. And uh, what has uh, your mother's impact uh, been on your life and your journey? I believe her name is Mary. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to overstate how your parents kind of set your framework for viewing the world. Uh, and my mom uh, was very philanthropic, both uh, with her time and giving things. There's a thing called United Way in the U.S. that uh, she ran the local United Way. Um, both she and my dad really set a great example of how they're involved in the community. You know, they got me uh, to understand you know, certain political causes that they were very energized by. And, um, you know, when I started to be successful, uh, my mom was certainly pushing that, okay, now is it time uh, for you to uh, give back in some ways. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry she can't see uh, where that's developed. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's always interesting to see how our early years, there's this uh, theory uh, that the first eight years of your life determine the next 30 or more. And a lot of our foundations sometimes are what drives us can come back from just, you know, watching your parents or what they, something they said. So it's nice. And you said your father also had an impact. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in fact, you know, when I was still full time at Microsoft, uh, my dad actually helped get the foundation going uh, because I knew I only was part time. Hmm. And so in the year 2000, when it became the world's biggest foundation, uh, my dad and a uh, executive from Microsoft were co-chairs uh, and it was not till eight years later that I retired from Microsoft and, and went to the foundation full-time. Hmm. Okay Bill, what is it like being a grandfather? Well it's exciting, my uh, first grandchild is uh, a girl, she's uh, just turned 10 months old, hmm. uh, you know a little bit of crawling, uh, a little bit of you know, dad, dad, mama. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm very excited to see her grow up. Uh, you know, I'm lucky I g get to travel and uh, see my daughter and granddaughter a great deal. You know, in Arabic, Bill, we have a saying. Uh, it says, "Azm al-walad, wild al-walad," which means more dear than the child is my child's child. So sometimes, you know, grandparents have that soft spot for for the granddaughter or grandson. No, definitely it's a different relationship. You're not the one who has to uh, <laughs> enforce the rules quite <laughs> like the parents do. So you can uh, play a different role and uh, you know, take them on trips, expose them to your passions, you know, and it re-energizes you to see their, how they're learning things, how they uh, see things differently. Hmm. Okay, so I, I know that you're an avid reader if I'm not mistaken, you finish around 50 books a year. And, uh, you know, when, when people will bring you up in a conversation, I'll always, I, I don't know you personally, but I, I always see you as this forevermore student of life. Like, you always want more knowledge. So is it fair to say that the student of life claim that I usually give about you, is it an accurate one? Oh, definitely. I'm you know, when I was a student, I loved learning and, you know, I've never lost that. Uh, you know, whether it's learning about tuberculosis or, uh, you know, how do we get rid of climate emissions? You know, I get to meet these amazing scientists. You know, if I ever get confused, I can send email to people I know, hey, how does this really work? Uh, now with all these online courses, uh, you know, whether it's history of the Quran or the Bible, uh, you know, I, I get a kick out of uh, uh, being taught. It's, it's a nice mindset, you know, because some people, I don't know, it's, it's there, I guess, two directions. One direction is the more I learn, the more I'm full of myself and arrogant, and some people are like that. Some people, the more they learn, they realize they don't know anything, and they're like, okay, I really need to learn more, 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 and it's this hunger for knowledge. And when I read that, okay, 50, 50 books, okay, that's a lot. So the, the, the why is because you feel, why do you read? Is because you always want to enrich yourself? Well, there's great books. You, I mean, unless you really love sitting there reading the book, you probably won't do it. It's not, uh, you know, I, it's not like I, I painfully force myself to do it. There are authors like Voslav Schmiel, 
uh, who have this wonderful way of explaining things. And the more you learn, it all kind of fits together. It's easier when you have a framework of knowledge that you're just having, you know, okay, that's how we figured out, you know, the very first vaccine mm -hmm. and the second vaccine, and some worked and some didn't. And, you know, the history of science I always love because that's, uh, you can see where, how do we uncover, you know, what we know and uh, how do we use that then to, uh, for benefit. But yeah, I, I think, you know, staying curious um, and uh, having people around you who uh, help educate you, I, I highly recommend it. Okay, last two. If you could, um, what is the most, if you could teach children around the world or the youth that are coming up, just one lesson, one lesson that's so important for human beings, for people growing up, what is something that you think every child or youth should at least know? Well, understanding that, you know, the world has gotten better uh, and so feeling good about that, but also being impatient that there are these deep inequities. Uh, one of my favorite authors, Hans Rosing, wrote about uh, this, that um, by looking at how far we've come, you know, we can, that helps guide us, you know, to where we need to go. You know, we're living longer, we're more literate, we're more nourished. Uh, the great fears for the future would be, can we, you know, get along together? Mm. You know, do we view our our clan, our tribe, our nation as, you know, more important than others in a way that drives, you know, wars, the, the worst uh, human behavior will, uh, as we come together to solve climate, as we come to uh, improve these tools for health and make sure we can uh, be well, well fed, um, you know, are humans working together or not? And, you know, this next generation uh, has to do a better job on some of the things that uh, the polarization, the, you know, misinformation. Uh, and so, you know, we haven't handed them a perfect world, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of good things they can see that were done in the past. Hmm. Final question is, uh, Bill, in one word. I mean, I'm a I'm student. Um, uh, so my, my, my assumption is actually good. <laughs> you are a student. Sure. I love that. Thank you for your time. All right. Good to see you. Thank you.